Pod Clubhouse. Attention all passengers. The temperature outside is minus 119 degrees Celsius. We are six years, nine months, and 26 days from departure. For your personal safety, be prepared to brace. This is Paul with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. And tonight, we are going to finish up our coverage of the first season of TNT's Snowpiercer. This is for the finale, the 10th episode. This episode was called 994 Cars Long. I had that written in my notes because I know Melanie says it in the morning announcements, and I thought that I must have written it because that's what she says. But that's the name of this episode. So we lost seven cars full of bad people, I assume. (laughs) (laughs) I think there were some innocent people, but we're just going to overlook that. (laughs) Yeah, we have to. That's the the greater good (laughs) cost of doing business on Snowpiercer. Yeah. So that was Melanie. Unlike the last eight episodes, this was like a bookend to the premiere when she makes the morning announcements. And all the episodes in between the premiere and the finale had a montage with a with a voiceover. And this was Melanie again giving the announcements for the last time before Andre takes over. Yeah, it, it felt very... Um... It definitely feels and throughout the episode, except for, um, you know, when there's the (laughs) a new twist coming in, um, she felt so relaxed. Like I remember, like I know throughout the season, we've been asking what kind of person Melanie is. Is she inherently evil or is she doing this thing out of malice? And I know we talked about it in the last episode, but in this episode, it kind of cemented like, oh, she's doing it for the greater good. And I think she has felt a burden kind of just like lift out her like lift and that she can now just focus or she thought she could just focus on being an engineer and keeping the train going in cahoots with Andre as a leader um, of Snowpiercer. But we learned that that's not the case. (laughs) It was was a very short lived um, from that morning announcement. uh, I think she had like, Oh, that's a new day. And then Nope. (laughs) Yeah. It was like one shift. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the world goes to shit again. On yeah, her. I liked some of the language she was using in that announcement when she said when that she pirated the ark, and um, so I guess it's just an open secret now about what she says that she did to Wilford and how things how things went down. I guess the montage part of that was seeing Andre making his way through through the first class area up to hospitality. And that was um, satisfying, I guess, seeing the kind of the the, the smug hatred <laughs> oozing out of the, the first class eyeballs at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost felt like I wish the Folgers were there just so we could have seen them. <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, a do, good thing. Do the side eye. But um, if they were there, they Andre wouldn't be there. So I guess it's just a sour note. But yeah, that was pretty... Um, pretty gratifying and also i think this series is this whole show the first season has just surprised me and like the direction it's been going and i honestly thought something like that of andre taking power might have taken a few seasons but maybe it's just kind of the fast-paced television now like there might not be a guarantee for their season so they're like let's move yeah. this along um but that was kind of satisfying in, in this season um coming to the season finale of like oh things actually 
like we're not gonna have to wait a long time for things to like really um you know the momentum and all that so um coming into the season finale i really enjoyed that part of it like knowing that shit actually happened and it's not just kind of we're gonna tow you along to the next season and not give you anything so that's that was very satisfying how do you feel about that oh i I like a fast moving show that gets through, you know, it's big, you know, meta plot and keeps this, the big story moving. I enjoy those shows quite a bit. I, like we've mentioned earlier in the season when, when we were thinking this might be a procedural type show, I don't watch a lot of those shows. They don't, they don't stay on my radar that long. So I definitely like big plots that, that keep moving. So I'm glad to see that that's what we got here with our investment of 10 episodes so far <laughs> of yeah. Snowpiercer. On the train, it's interesting how takeovers happen on TV shows. And I assume maybe in real life, I'm not sure. But <laughs> do you remember in Game of Thrones, the idea of whenever someone took over Westeros, whether it was Robert or anyone else, um, that there was this element of, well, okay, so I've cut the, the head off the old snake, but I still don't really know how to run this thing. So I'm going to keep everybody here that used to advise you. They might as well just advise me <laughs> now, mm-hmm. that, now that I'm in charge. And that's yeah. kind of similar to what we see on the train here. Melanie gets to just go back to the engine. I mean, if that was plan A, right? Ruth picks up in hospitality and Andre is, he's kind of, he's kind of stuck now. I, I don't think he wanted to be in charge forever. Um, it's funny because we just watched the Hamilton deal on Disney last night, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. um, so I know he doesn't play Hamilton, but I still have that sort of David Diggs uh Washington and then seeing Washington saying he's going to step down and all that. So it's like all kind of mushed around in my brain about, yeah. about governing and, and this actor in, in particular. Um, so the reason I bring all that up is he says that he wants to have a representative government. Later on, we see that he's dealing with just piddly shit, you know, people dealing with petty thefts and stuff like that. So what do you think? Do you think that he intended to, to lead this beyond revolution do you think he wants to be in charge of anything from like now on or or what i was thinking um i had questions around or maybe thoughts like you did uh, uh, on like the the aspect of what happens after you kind of secure what you wanted and i think that's an interesting thing that tv like especially with tv shows they are able to explore that like the after the fact um unlike movies where it kind of just ends and you just assume it just works out Um, (laughs) and in in this sense it's cool because you can see like oh okay he got what he wanted um and you know a bunch of other people did too but then what does that look like and we see that it looks very chaotic and it it also makes sense that i i think it kind of makes him also look like oh shit i got the thing that we wanted now what and then he realizes that not everyone is thinking in terms of the big picture of okay now we're going to be equal we're going to have a representative government like let's just get all get on board guys and it's like 
no, first class is going to have a lot of trouble trying to, you know, trying to deal with tailies and third class and second class. Like it's not going to be an easy transition. And I think he might've been a little, um, what's the word naive in thinking that everyone was going to see this as a good thing. Um, and he didn't really think that through. I think, I think he was thinking so much about the tailies for good reason to get them to freedom. But then I think I don't think he understood that he was going to have to deal with all the other shit of like, yeah. oh, there's like people stealing lettuce and and right. uh, and and raiding the the um you know like the the veggie uh, area and like that kind of stuff. And I think he really, I think in my opinion, I think he just really thought like they were all going to get on board. And I think that human element, I think just like Melanie had, where she had to realize like, oh, people are crazy. I'm the only one that is seeing the big picture here. I have to make these decisions and all these people are never going to be on my level of thinking about that. That's why they're kind of just in, you know, their classes. Um, And I think he's learning the lesson or beginning to learn the lesson, just like Melanie taught him the one of like, you're going to have to make hard choices in the last episode and let people go. Right. Um, And now I think he's learning like, Oh shit. Like just because I know this is a good decision and I know this is the better for Snowpiercer. Not everyone is going to be on board with making it a better thing. Just like Ruth is like, she's still out for like, you know, she's still so upset. Um, yeah. And so it's going to be a daily challenge. And I don't think he necessarily wanted it, but I think he realizes that there's no one else to do it because Melanie can't do it anymore. She's kind of ousted just by what she's done. Um, and there's, there's an argument for, dictatorships actually being the better form of government for certain situations, you know, like not Mm -hmm. everything, it's not a good match for everything, but you know, it it might actually be a better situation in, in this. Could you, could you imagine leaving um, those kind of life and death decisions up to, this Congress, whatever he, he wants to come up with, um, when uh, seeing how Congresses actually m- make decisions and how slowly they do, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and it's so self-interest based. So yeah, it's not right. necessarily for the people. It's like it, it really is just for who they're representing. Um, and sometimes not even that. It's just for themselves. Yeah. Um, and yeah, on a snowpiercer train where it is every choice is kind of like life or death. And if people are out of line, if they're not doing what they need to do, um, if they're destroying like the, the one car that has the veggies, like that is like problematic and you need to like stop that. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think in this case, I don't I think the Melanie way I understand it might have been a way harsh, but she understood like we can't have people being chaotic. We, I can't have um five different people like we can't be like congregating when there's like you know you have to brace and then like i have to make life or death decisions i can't be like oh what do you think ruth like (laughs) so um so yeah i think that's kind of kind of get mixed and i kind of like though the fact that like i i I mentioned a little earlier but the fact that melanie is like here you go like it was kind of like you know when you have like a shit job and you're like and then the other person's coming in and you're like, here, like, have fun with it. Cause you think you can do a better job than I did. But like, like you're going to see that I, you know, it's like uh, kind of have those moments of like, Oh, I see now. 
Um, and so she kind of had like a giddiness too of like when she like handed it over to him. <laughs> like you yeah. deal with this shit now. Right. Again, we just watched uh, Hamilton. It's like the scenes with the king. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you see, he makes the same point exactly. Uh, after the revolution, he's, he hands over the country and he's like, okay, fine. Now lead it. That's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Same kind of deal. Some of those stuff, uh, like you were talking about self-interest kind of cropping up. Uh, one of those things would be uh, right away. We see that uh, Pike and Terrence have taken up the LJ's car or not the LJ's, the Folgers car. Um, that was a really interesting scene. Cause they're like setting up kind of like a black market fencing type thing all in like the first day of, <laughs> of freedom. Do you yeah. think, you think Pike is just going to work out to be just a constant thorn in Andre's side? If the second half of the episode, which we learned there's another train on the track somewhere else, if that wouldn't have happened and it was just them kind of going into this world, I would say, yes, it would be an issue. But I think now people come together when there's like kind of an opposite foe and you don't know. Um, And then even Andre goes and gets Pike when that happens because he's like, we got to go and do this. And I think he is kind of one of those people like will go off and do his own thing. But I think when it comes down to it, they do have that Taylor mentality of like, Hey, we got to get together. We got to do this. Um, and so I haven't seen Pike as um, he's kind of been there for Andre in, in, in the last few episodes of like doing what he needs to do. And I don't know. I would say Terrence is more of the wild card to be honest. Um, yeah, definitely self-serving um, mm-hmm. and morally uh, dark gray these days. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. Speaking of LJ though, you know, they kick her out of her car and she winds up with Osweiler several scenes later. Is this? Yeah, that was a weird pairing. Right. Is this potentially like a match and gasoline sort of sort of pairing? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Like two crazies getting together, I guess, right? Like, Well, just two people that don't feel things about other people the way that most other people do. We, we think that she's probably a sociopath. And there's mm-hmm. and there is definitely some sort of numbing in Osweiler's soul yes. also also. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if those two it is, can, it is a dangerous combo. If those <laughs> yeah, if those two team up, there's no telling what mischief they might get into. That's gonna be an interesting season two arc, I think, because they did like we mentioned earlier in our other episodes, T V doesn't put things out there for no reason. Like in episodes everything is calculated unless you're lost and like some of the things didn't add up, but, um, <laughs> but in this, in this sense, yeah, I think that is just setting up a season two subplot or some sort that they're probably going to, you were talking about maybe Pike being a thorn in Andre side. I think it's going to be more of LJ and Osweiler being a, being a kind of those people who are just getting into trouble because they just want to have fun because LJ was doing a lot of it just to have fun. And, and, um, because I think growing up on Snowpiercer, there's not much else to do. And then um, if she has that under that condition of being a sociopath, yeah, I think they're going to get into a lot of trouble. And it's going to be interesting seeing what they do. On that same idea of nothing in TV being shown just for fun, uh, we had in that early radio blip. Um, yeah. Where Bennett all of a sudden starts acting a little squirrely yeah. um, right away. Did did 
did that send up the red flag to you? Because it sounds like it probably did. But I just want to double check because instantly I was like, they didn't show us him hearing this radio for no reason. I didn't think it was another super train, but <laughs> but I knew it was something. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I I I did not think anything of another train. Um, maybe I should have. I don't know. I always feel like when it's revealed, I feel a little dumb. Like, oh, of course, you know. Um, that was like Game of Thrones all the time for me in Westworld. Um, but I I knew something was up though. It just felt a little off, like. All of a sudden, there's um, there's um, like radio stuff, and then Hobby kept like nailing it in, right? Like, oh, what is this? This is weird. There's music. It's coming from here. Let's like pinpoint it. And um, at first, I thought it was more of like maybe somebody like in the in the tail section or whatever the tail section is now, like was doing something or there was something happening. But um, oh, actually, no. What I thought it was, I thought it was people outside, like living mm. you know like maybe yeah. they had like been able to survive but then i, I was like oh that, i don't know how that can be possible because uh melanie in her opening was like oh it's negative whatever um degrees outside and i was like oh is that a lie like you know i was just trying to think of like are there like there has to be maybe it has to be another signal and i was just thinking it was sort of like a base camp like because they were passing they're going to pass chicago which is like ground zero for them of getting on the train so yeah, that's what I was thinking. But the whole other train thing was like super cool. But I unfortunately did not predict it. But you did. Um, you sort of like threw we, that out last uh, episode. We kind of joked about it that there was yeah. another vehicle kind of angle that might be there. But I didn't take that totally seriously. I was thinking that you were much closer to uh, the, the way things would pan out with the idea that Wilford was in a drawer. And so I'm. Yeah, yeah, that kind of got completely obliterated. <laughs> yeah, but I was halfway through this episode still trying to figure out how this radio static music, whatever, tied into him coming out of the drawer. I couldn't put it together, obviously, because that's not the way they went. But that's what I was thinking was what they were trying to do. And somehow he just had a car that uh, he was just announcing himself somehow. That was what I was I was thinking. But no, not not the, nothing like that. I do have questions about the other train, but let's let's uh, wait until we we get there. Oh, the, there was an interesting scene between Melanie and Audrey. Yeah. That also had some foreshadowing, but it also besides that obvious part, I think there were some other I don't know, more interesting sides to that in that Melanie has only relied on a couple of people so far. Um, we know about Bennett, and after this episode, Bennett might be uh, on the not trusted list. Um, <laughs> there's uh, Jinju, and then that's about it. I mean, Ruth was cool for a friend, but Ruth is definitely not getting a Christmas card this year. And, yeah, no. And uh, so that leaves her with nobody. But the whole season, she's had kind of this kind of special relationship with Audrey that makes you think that they had history of some sort mm -hmm. and so here she is she's basically alone train wise like no one wants to be her friend right now but audrey's still there to do this some kind of hypnosis or something did that tell you anything more about about either character or what might have gone on between them either maybe earlier in the history of the train or maybe even before the train what do you think 
Yeah, it definitely felt like there was a lot more to their relationship um, that I even had thought of before, because Audrey kind of um, like the the instinct that you described would be like, oh, what are you doing here? Like if, if they didn't have some sort of relationship, but she's like, oh, you finally have come to kind of do what she needed to do. And so I feel like there's just I mean, there's been seven years on this train and we've barely gotten like a little bit of the history of it. And so there's a lot more secrets i i'm guessing <laughs> um there's a lot more history and the fact that bennett and uh, jing Zhu are so like train forward like you know that all they think about is the train even before themselves right yeah um it just makes it feel like i know we had talked about earlier that there was maybe some sort of like secret five or whatever a group of people that were like we're going all in on this train thing right um and so it, it makes you feel like maybe um, Audrey was like part of it, but maybe not to the extent of like knowing about Wilford, but maybe part of like the early ongoing discussions or. Well, when maybe... they, whenever they changed the night car from the whorehouse interpretation mm-hmm. to what it is now, maybe that happened. At the beginning, like the side deals or something. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it if it happened before the train got rolling, that's interesting, and I'd want to know more. If it happened after the train got rolling, that's interesting, and I'd still want to know more. You know, because yeah. all of it explains what might be going on between these two, where they could wind up on vastly different sides politically of how this train should be run, but still have that assumed history together that allows them to be in the same room and not want to kill each other. Yeah. There's there's tension there, and I think the fact that she went and did this thing, and also a very personal thing where she's basically, I guess whatever Audrey was doing, it's like a well, it's a hypnosis, and like kind of let Melanie release what she was like holding on to um, with her daughter, and the fact that like we learned that she basically left her, <laughs> um, and she felt <laughs> guilty about it because she chose the train, like she always chooses the train above anything else. That was really interesting that she went and had that vulnerable moment with Audrey. I mean, because there's no one else, right? Audrey's doing this hypnosis thing. But, like, that's still kind of, I don't know. It is it is very telling because the fact that she's not in power anymore is when she decided to go and do this. Because right. it's gonna be, it was, it was going to be a very vulnerable moment. And, of course, when you're a leader, you don't want to show any vulnerability to anybody I think the closest is probably Bennett when they were intimate, but that's not really like um, it could, that's not necessarily a vulnerable thing. If they're just like, you know, they were hooking up to, (laughs) you know, have their thing. Um, There was not like feelings involved or anything, but more of an understanding. But like with this, she had been putting it off because she couldn't let herself go to that place. I think as a leader and also in front of Audrey, probably. Right. I think you're right. Right. I I was, um, I didn't catch all, all exactly all that, but it was the, uh, the idea of the daughter being, being brought up right then. There's like, oh, well, I mean, she's brought up the daughter a little bit before now. And okay. So now we're getting a little bit more into it. I just thought there would be this anguish about the, the daughter. I didn't expect it to be foreshadowing that would pay off like 
in like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I did not expect that. Honestly, I thought it was just a release of, but you know what, now looking at it, and we should take our own advice of like the fact that nothing happens on the, in the, in the episode for like no reason, because they lingered on that, like that whole uh, sequence of Melanie, um, like going through the, you know, seeing her daughter and everything. It was like a good few minutes, if not more. And so in hindsight, I'm like, oh, duh. Like, why would they spend a good portion of this finale episode on Melanie, like, releasing her, her, her emotions about her daughter? Like, oh, it's like another, like, duh. Yeah, that's duh a moment. good point. Should have known better. <laughs> but I think it's a good episode, right? Because, like, you get lost in it. And I think it's it's nice when even as TV, pe- like, you know, TV people who, like, review things on, you know, on a daily basis or whatever, like, it's nice to when you don't think about that, like, you know, you, you, your mind are, is able to kind of like, like really not analyze things so much when you're watching a show, even though you are analyzing it for, yeah. for what we're doing. But the fact that like, I didn't think about it and I got lost in like Jennifer Connelly's performance and like what she was going through, it just shows like, Oh, that's good TV. Because when you can kind of like pinpoint things, it's not fun. And that means it's just kind of like not very good. <laughs> Now, sort of on the bubble of whether or not it's good TV is the next scene with Zara and Andre um, discussing, you know, the gender of the baby and and uh, how they might find a path forward together. Jeez, uh, uh, Rick, this is <laughs> feeling, feeling a little soon. Um, yeah. For the level of forgiveness that we seem to be seeing between Andre and and Zara, um, is it just, you know, he's in a peacemaking mood or, or, or what? Cause man, I mean, she got your girl killed just like yesterday. So, well, it's, yeah, it seems like he's doing a lot of that, right? Because he has to also be on board with Melanie. Like he's like, she's the chief engineer and he, she also literally killed (laughs) Josie. So, (laughs) right. um, Right. That's true. So he has these two women who he needs in, in different ways around him that also killed who he loved on the train. Um, So that's also interesting, but that one did feel a little like unearned. Um, It was probably the least favorite uh, and that storyline is probably my least favorite of the whole show. I think it's it's the thing that's probably cheapened it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's a very like small bit, but I think I, I don't like the way that they've treated that relationship because it's like it's been all over the place. And I'm like, pick a lane. Like I think you're trying to do some old TV tropes. You're trying to do, like mix it in new. The thing with Josie was interesting, and I really like that. But then she's gone, so I'm like, oh, he's kind of like lost it. I don't know. It, it does seem a little like I, I would understand that he would probably want to be with the child, but not necessarily like so early on with like having to be friends with her. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it would just like, I would have preferred more of like taller, like her, him tolerating her, but not being so like, Oh my God, what are we going to like name the baby? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. what? No, like, I don't know. It was weird. That part was very, it didn't fit well, I think. That's like probably the la- like the the lead like not very good writing like we said <laughs> it went from like really good with Jennifer Connelly like giving her performance to like that and it was like no <laughs> not working. All right, so there's a few things that happen that are sort of small time compared to the arrival of Big Alice, but one of those things is the dissolution of Jinju and uh, Brakeman Till's relationship. Uh, you know, I don't know that we made any special comment on it, but I but. 
that one wasn't meant to be, <laughs> I don't think, given how differently they saw the the way things needed to go down on the train. One was very much uh, guided by her heart. One was by her head, and it just didn't didn't match. Yeah, but it's interesting though because I really liked what um, Jinzu told uh, Till when they were breaking up, and and she says, "Oh, we can finally agree on one thing: the train comes first. And that still couldn't bring them together because their interpretation of what it took to um, put the train first is completely different. Opposite, even though, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so that was kind of heartbreaking. Like, I, I love, like, when people break up on TV and it's, like, it, it it can be a really, like, brutal way. But, you know, for TV purposes, it, like, really works. And you're like, oh, that sucks. And this one did, I think. It was very short-lived. But I think it just kind of, they're kind of the epitome of, of the of the different perspectives on the train, right? Like I think uh, Jinzu went with the lie, and that was her way of like protecting the train. And then Till went with like, hey, morals and and, and um, values and that kind of thing, and standing up for what's right um, in her mind. And that's kind of like the two sides of the train, or at least two of many sides of the train of of the people, but. Yeah, I found that interesting. I mean, it's a shame that if they were just people involved with lower stakes, they'd probably be okay and have mm-hmm. have a relationship that could withstand that. But they're on opposite sides of a kind of a survival issue, and that's that's too high. <laughs> the stakes are too yeah. high. So yeah. yeah, but I feel like it might come back though, especially with this the the with Big Alice and. Um, you know, the possibility of Wilfred coming back. Like, I think that's everything that we saw prior to to the, the train attaching, like the other train attaching. And like, that is going to change everything. Like, I, I'm not held to whatever I'm talking about right now because I think the the relationships and like, who knows? It's kind of like a new threat, right? Even though it might be the person that you think is going to save you or, or thought you were like, was going to be here. I don't know. I think it's just a game changer. It's like, being in the like I guess it can kind of be like our situation right like quarantine um you've been quarantining with whoever you've been quarantining with and then you go out there and you're like like I don't know like a family member can come and yes they're like good people but you're also like ooh, like stay away like I don't know I don't know if you're really a, a friend or foe right now given the situation so I think that's kind of how I feel like the the people on the train are gonna be like even though they might have not liked each other this could be a possibly new threat and then they're going to have to join together. And that might actually help Andre's case even more <laughs> yeah. of like trying to get together. I think you're, I think you're probably right. Cause that means, that means it's time to talk about big Alice and, mm-hmm. and the other train. Cause there are some, some questions that I have about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, first just, on like a fanboy level of science fiction and post-apocalyptic stuff and even kind of that vehicular based stuff, you know, like Mad Max or whatever, mm-hmm. um, seeing the other train out the window, just ramming its way through the ice and snow to, to catch up to them. That was pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> that was pretty cool. I, I mean, yeah, just pretty cool stuff. Now the questions start to pop up in my, in my little brain. Uh, for instance, Bennett seems to know a shitload about this other train. They even call it the supply train. Yeah. What? 
so then I start, yeah. I start thinking like, was this other train just running to catch up with them at a certain point, just kind of preset? Did and Melanie just kind of forgot about it or didn't think of it, or was it that it was never going? But then all of a sudden it was. How does Bennett know all about it? Like, like he was even expecting it to some extent. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like Bennett really. We we thought he was more of a side character to Melanie. But in this finale, he kind of really showed that we definitely don't know anything. <laughs> um, and and like like what we talked about, like the history of it, like the beginning of how people got on the train, what happened right immediately after, and is very is very much still like at play here because we don't know what's happened in the last like seven years. We only know this little bit, and the fact that Bennett did know a shit ton. Um, was very peculiar because it seemed like he was only like second to Melanie. Yeah. And it, it, sh- it showed that, oh, maybe you were actually like, you were going to, because I mean, we, Melanie took over. She wasn't meant to. So Bennett, essentially, if we, if we're thinking about it that way, he was going to be Wilford's second, right? Or whatever. Like he was going to be in the engine, supposedly, uh, that we know of. If, I like where you're going so, with this. Yeah. So I think that, he came equipped on the train and like, this is, I'm just assuming because I don't know the history and like of how he got there, but I'm assuming he, I mean, he's an engineer, so he had to be in the know. So I'm thinking that's why he knows so much because he, um, he was either part of like the planning process, like Melanie was, you know, she basically built the train and like, he was going to be, he's like a worker, kind of like the Titanic people were like, they went on and like, they knew all this stuff. So in that sense, it makes sense that he would know so much, but he kind of knows a little more than I would think just a normal worker would know, like a hobby. Hobby is like the ultimate, like he's just doing his job, right? And right. Bennett kind of knows a little bit more and even it caught Melanie off like surprise, right? So that's going to be interesting to see season two, how Bennett comes at play because he was really thinking train first because he realized, oh, I remember the supply train <laughs> and all the secrets that he has. And he was even willing to put um, like Snowpiercer kind of at risk to get these supplies because he knows that they need it um, because it's kind of falling apart. So I don't know. That's interesting. And also made me realize because our, our drawer, um, when, when I realized that wasn't going to happen, like Wolford's not in a drawer and he's actually might be on this other train. Right. Um, I don't know. It it made me realize like, I I hope that we get a flashback maybe in season two of how Melanie kind of threw him out of the train, because then I'm thinking, or the questions that came about are like, did she like, just like knock him out. And then he was able to kind of like go and get on the supply train that was probably nearby on like, you know, when they were, whenever they were initially taking off, like, um, because that's what, how it would have had to go down. Right. Like he, like she didn't kill him, but like she kind of knocked him out, closed the door. I don't know. Like, I wonder how that kind of played out. That's what I was thinking. I would love to see all that of how how big Alice got running because uh, I have questions. Because the daughter too. Yeah. Yeah, the daughter too. And it made me. Oh, that was a question I had too. Sorry. Like of like because uh, I'll pose it to you is when she um, she did the whole memory thing of like oh sorry I thought they were on their way like the daughter and I guess the husband. And no, it was he her parents. It. It was, oh, her parents. Yeah. yeah. So the parents and the daughter were supposed to meet her at the train. 
And then they, she said they weren't there. And so I had to go anyway. And so my question is like, did she kick out Wilford, you know, off the train or whatever? And then the kid was coming, you know, like they were on their way. And then maybe Wilford sabotaged it and like took the kid, you know, took Alexandra. So it could be kind of like the fact that Melanie kicked him out. It was my question, like in that whole little scenario of the, of the, of the getting on the train and her kicking him out. That'd be a great twist. Yeah. That would be some kind of twist if her decision like double whammy, right? She already decided to leave the station without her kid, but maybe her decision to uh, abandon Wilford made it, made that come to be or, or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So man, that would be, that'd be a pretty cool twist. I mean, I have, I just have like questions about big Alice. Like what (laughs) was it ever, supposed to resupply them how if not why would it even exist with all these usable supplies and if so then how can they have been saying that they're alone this whole time because there'd be some schedule to meet up with the supply train i'm i would hope if it was you know a planned out thing which you'd think it is also yeah where in the hell has this train been running is it like like when we see it near chicago they can see it out their side window, right? And mm-hmm. kind of comically, it seems to be coming right for them somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so I would I would have assumed, like they've shown the the Snowpiercer path a few times in like I don't know if it's the graphics when they start the the episodes or whatever, but you can mm-hmm. see it's meant to wind basically all over the world. I assume maybe they use like the polar ice caps or something to to go over the continents or something um since it doesn't matter there it's all cold now yeah um so uh point is um where was this train running that they that they would have survived just as long and been okay if we accept that snowpiercer needs this long run of track so that it can keep its heaters on, keep its power running, and use its fuel source the way it was designed to be used and all that. So I just have questions, Kat, and they didn't come close to answering any of them. Did, did you get any, did anything pop in your mind that was just like, wait a second, a second train? Yeah, I mean, it does make me wonder because I think it, it definitely revolves around um it doesn't see like bennett is like oh yeah i knew about the supply train we can like get it and the fact that like melanie i I feel like they had an inkling or she had an inkling that maybe wilford did go get on that and so that's why it just it just revolves around a lot around around what happened that on day one of getting on the train um because if she would never seek that supply train, like it seems a little fishy, right? Cause she's an engineer. You want parts, right? There's a genetic, there's genetic testing apparently or whatever. Like there's a bunch of labs on this thing. And like, if they're running out of food, like it just seems so interesting that she wouldn't want that just as like a, as a science person, <laughs> like, you know, as like trying to save the world. I mean, and I don't think she would have forgot, like that's a very big detail to forget. And Melanie's super smart. She, you know, she's wearing MIT shirts. Yeah, so yeah. it seems like she put it out of her mind for a reason is what I'm getting at. It seems like. Um, Another big fat question I had was like this second train looks like it was designed, you know, mind you, this is what they called the prototype. 
but mm-hmm. but it looks like it was designed for that boarding action because it had that that piece that that came out of the front that you know they welded the the door off to open between the two trains and they also had that weird umbilical thing that came out and took over Snowpiercer and made it stop yeah the uplink yeah the uplink so it looked like from the from the design from the design point that that train was designed to do those things maybe Snowpiercer has the same stuff in the front of its guts I don't know kind of doubt it but that just gave me more questions like wait a second how was the prototype designed to do that i don't know just i i thought it was cool and all but it just left me with so many just practical like how why would these things have been in place and how how can you make that make sense to me i think i mean i think it just revolves like i am going to leave it open when we learn about season two because i think it's going to be explained because it's like all the questions that you have technically I think need to be addressed. Like they can't just be like, this is a TV thing. Of course there's a second um, <laughs> train. Like I think it, it definitely has to be um, like uh, said. And I think when we meet, I'm hoping we meet Wilford in the second, like the first um, episode of the second season. And then he dies. And I hope there's some sort of like montage or I don't know what, like, you know, yeah. like that kind of, they, that kind of explains how they, they um, like everything that you just asked. Um, but also I think, I don't know, I think the track stuff I can kind of go with just because like we've seen the forks, like that's how like the other train was continuing to run, like when they separated True. those seven cars. Yeah. And so for me, I think that's okay. I think that was probably, um, there's several tracks that probably fork like that because what if there's like, um, they see a track that like got uh, messed up, right? Like, I think they had to make those contingencies, like, to only rely on one set of, like, track would be very, I think, as an engineering perspective, would be very, like, not smart. <laughs> um, so, to have, like, different pathways that they could go to, because they could, like, kind of see ahead and be like, oh, this is, like, not working, or it got damaged, or whatever, like, that makes sense to me. So, it, the technical question of, like, where was this train um, is not as, like... Um, Just running on alternate sightings, I guess. Yeah, and then she kind of, they kind of talked about it a little bit because she's like, oh, um, that they had to kind of be at the same speed. Like they did a little bit of like the science talk on like how they would have met up and how they would have like also um, if if Bennett wouldn't have sabotaged them, they would have missed it. Like they wouldn't have been able to catch up like physics wise. Um, well, also, the he, like, there was that they mentioned how they made a point of mentioning either this episode or the previous episode to I think it was Miles that with every revolution they've been going a little slower it's been taking a little mm. longer yeah so mm-hmm. if you could think like maybe wilford gets kicked off the train and he's thinking with every second that's like so many days of of catching up to the other train if he can get to big alice get her going and get moving cuz maybe he's got only revenge in mind <laughs> for all we know um so I mean that's his that's his car like that's the car that had all like his end of the world night car whorehouse like uh, I of course I would it's like <laughs> going to like a Motel Six but you have the Hilton that you got booted out from you know like that kind of thing like yeah. of course you're gonna want to get there and, and and kind of see like the creation that you made and put probably billions and billions of dollars into um, but that doesn't matter as much like the money part but. Yeah, I just thought it was super cool. Like, I liked that whole thing. I was all for it. And I was like, this is better than what I thought of, like, the drawer thing. 
Um, even though that would have been cool too, because it would have just been a different twist. But I like that there's another train because, like, just like our drawer theory, it just means like who's on that train, you know? More like it's just like from a TV standpoint, like, oh, of course they can introduce all these new characters, and we're gonna have to go with it because it's a whole other train. Yeah. So I love that part. I love that part of it. Well, there's the go with it aspect of is this actually Melanie's daughter, right? Mm, yeah. Probably, but you never know. I mean, Mr. Wilford might have it in for Melanie, and this could be just, you know, you haven't seen her in seven years. She's done a lot of growing up since then. She has the right color hair and all that. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, before we get to her, Ruth needs a little visiting, though. We had been <laughs> yeah. describing Ruth as kind of going unhinged in the last episode or two uh, when she appeared with the little kids choir oh and all that i i don't think i'm ready to change my my status on ruth except to maybe completely unhinged what about you <laughs> yes she has definitely gone more unhinged than i thought like i thought she was gonna be okay unhinged but she's like she you know what she reminds me of just because i saw this movie because of like independence day but she's kind of like um i forgot what the the character's name but basically will smith's um uh girlfriend or whatever who's a stripper and then like the, the stripper friend who's like i'm gonna go see the aliens you know and it's like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense like she goes to see the aliens like open up like welcome and then she basically gets blasted and i feel like that's ruth like ruth is like has it in her mind like i got scorned by melanie she's so gung-ho she like if a rational person is thinking in this train like there is another train boarding you and and even if it is like it's been seven years being like it could be like do or die, you know, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Wilford started off as a good guy or whatever. Like you have had, like, you don't know where he's at right now. You don't know if this train is like, like on its last leg and they need people, you know, like what if they start, they need you to like, as a food source, like it it just doesn't make sense. Like any, any threat um, at this point seems like it would over, you know, like supersede any of her feelings. But the fact that like, she is so like, I'm going to welcome him with these like creepy kids singing. Like, you know, it was just like very like, Oh, you've lost it. Like you are um, just full on, like can't handle, like, I think, but also it makes kind of sense. It makes a lot of sense too, because she, I think a lot of people on Snowpiercer, um, they had to kind of choose their lane on how to survive and whatever that meant, um, you know, kind of putting in your mind, like, this is what I'm doing. I have a purpose. I have blah, blah, blah. Like um, it's okay. We're in a train, but like, I, I still got something to do. And I think that was Ruth. I think Ruth like really held on to her purpose of serving Wilfred or whatever Wilfred meant. And the propriety of it. Yeah, and I think that was the thing that was holding her on. I mean, holding her um, together and not letting her think about like, oh, it's a post-apocalyptic world and we're screwed and like all that stuff. And I think that's why she was just like, what? Like that little thing just like made her tumble. And I think she's just so lost right now. She doesn't understand. And she is just like, Wilford, yay. And it's like, no, you should like stop and think like what you're doing. She pulls a gun and says, yeah, teal is the color of diplomacy. David Diggs did some really great acting in that moment because he just, he was just like, you know what? 
I can die right now <laughs> or I can appease this crazy woman and deal with that later. And it's just like, you're right. That is a great color. <laughs> you should, you should be in the front with me. And that was just a little bit of face acting there. That was just like communicated a lot about what must have been going through his mind to try to deal with this woman. And, and she was just like, okay, I agree. I should be in front. Um, and that I, my thing was that, yeah, my thing was like, he was doing that to you to be like, Oh, if there's some crazy shit coming out, you're, I'm going to push you in front. There you go. That's, a, that's another <laughs> aspect I hadn't thought of. I thought it was just more like, I don't want you behind me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, cause like I, I was thinking the other way. Cause I was like, you don't know what's coming. And I was like, if this crazy lady wants to die, like go for it. <laughs> right. Right. You can have him. Mr. Wilford. Yeah. It's interesting though you brought up the teal teal color, and I know we mentioned it probably in the first episode, yeah. but the teal is like beginning to be the color of like I don't know, like the handmaid's teal, the teal right. is very prominent, and then this also like the teal color, I'm just like, what is going on with teal is like the new red, you know <laughs> well, in these two uh societies, it seems to represent like women under control. <laughs> Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see if where Teal comes up in Peacock's Brave New World to see if it, they, they use Teal at all in that. Because that's, you know, also set in the future. It's That one's a utopian version, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Are you uh, looking forward to any of the Peacock programming? I haven't seen any yet, so um, I'll look. I'll check that one out. Cause, that's really um, the only one that caught my interest uh you know it's based on the book it's uh, got the guy that played han solo in the solo movie as like the main guy oh i like him yeah, yeah. he's a he's a really good actor too short to be han solo but it's but a very good actor um <laughs> anyway uh last last bit of business with uh, snowpiercer it's got to be mm, probably mel and the fact that she went outside to fix this antenna and gets blown off the train that was pretty awesome, though, because I did not see that coming. No. And and um, also, I think the I know we were talking about like the questions with both of the trains, and this also plays into it and plays into Mel is like I was like, oh no, like what are you gonna do? But the fact that they were able to completely stop, and the fact that they have been saying like the internal engine needs to keep going, or else we're gonna freeze to death, and also seeing her go out in the suit. Um, and her being able to survive, like, so I was like, what is that suit made of? Like, like you're able to actually survive for this long because throughout the whole thing, we've been told, oh, outside it's freezing. It's like negative, whatever. Um, it's horrible. And it seemed a little crazy. Like, are we just supposed to assume that they have this like crazy technology because they've made Snowpiercer in this post-apocalyptic world? And like, she would have a suit that could last that long because in the beginning episode or one of the earlier episodes, she goes out for a little bit and like sticks her hand out. Right. Yeah. And then they were like, Oh my God. And she comes back in and she's like, Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Right. And so the fact that she like went out there like completely and was like, although she did say to Bennett kind of alluding, like you got to keep the train going. Cause I think she was like thinking she was on a suicide mission, but she definitely lasted longer than I thought. <laughs> and then her, um, her getting pushed out it was like okay like you actually may have a chance to go back but like that snow looks so deep when she was like the the pull away shot and the fact that they only have 
what was it, 10 minutes before they have to get going again? Yeah, something like that. Or else they'll freeze to death. Yeah. So that was an interesting, like, kind of like the science facts of it. I don't know. What do you think about that whole um, technology of, like, her being able to last out there for that long? Um, given, like, maybe this is only minutes so far, so maybe after, like, 10 minutes she will also freeze in that suit. But, That's what um, I was thinking. And then the tra- that the, and then the tra- yeah. The suit's just not good forever. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it, it'll wear out, especially I was thinking that, you know, there's something in it that probably heats it. Uh, and there was no like umbilical line back to some sort of heater or something like that. So whatever that source is would run out, but you know, the train stopped providing us with this really interesting bookend because they use the animation that they used in the, yeah. in the opening to close this out. But if you remember that opening shot is is of uh, people storming the train, and later we find out that it is her decision to pull out, to, to go, to start the train, start the, the journey. And here the train has just stopped, and she's the only one now outside <laughs> trying to get back in. And uh, to an extent, we it might even be that that she's pulling away from Mr. Wilford in that opening shot. And here, Mr. Wilford has inadvertently stopped the train for her to get back on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess also she plays a big role, right? Because if we're supposed to believe that this, this girl is her daughter, why, what is Wilford's plan here? Like, is she like, like I um, kind of put it out there earlier, like, has she been a hostage is, she the one sent out to go get Melanie because Wilford has the vendetta, like you mentioned, of like the revenge kind of thing. I don't know. It just seems a little weird when when leaders don't put their when they don't go out first uh-huh. because it's like, especially like in Game of Thrones, we learned that very like you know, like the people who go out first are the ones that are kind of like the scapegoats right. or like the ones that are being forced to go they return without their so, heads. <laughs> yeah. So I. I found it very interesting um, that he wouldn't be the one to go and, and do that. But um, I think that's also just probably going to be an awesome reveal when we do get to see him, hopefully in the second season, which I think we can probably, I mean, I guess that's one of my predictions for the opening is like, we get to see Wilford, uh, Sean Bean. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm super excited. I think he's going to bring a whole new level of like, I don't know the star power of his, of his of what he's able to do to, the, to those characters. So it's going to be fun to see him as this larger than life role that we, Melanie's kind of made him out to be, right? Yeah. And if he actually is that, or if she kind of just made a decision and was like, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I think he will be kind of an anti Ned Stark, you know? Um, yeah. Like a lot of ways, like you just mentioned, uh, sending the girl to be the the envoy uh ned on the other hand rides out and as he as he teaches his sons the the man that passes the sentence should swing the sword Mm -hmm. right that's his yeah that's his one of his mantras and he does that in the very first episode of game of thrones so um it doesn't seem like this guy's the same kind of guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man so do you have any other predictions for season two or things that you want to see or threads that you want to see go away or come back well i think i don't want to see more of the awkward zara and (laughs) um andre storyline i think some of the relationships on um snowpiercer uh 
kind of are falling into the cheapy um, cable TV relationships. They're not very, they don't have a lot of uh, depth, um, but I can kind of live with that if they're not at the forefront of the show. And I definitely want to see a lot more of the science and um, like the more technical aspects of how, like you mentioned, like the snow, like how this other train was on the thing, like was that pl- a plan all along? Like, I don't, I don't know. And then also I think the most interesting part is going to be hopefully a flashback to the beginning of, of how they got off and, or like got off on, on the, on the track. Um, and Melanie and Wilford relationship is going to be crazy. Like, I think that's going to be so good. Um, especially knowing that it's Jennifer Connelly against Sean Bean. That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> I think. I think you're right. What about you? I want to see them kind of keep up with, reveal you know pulling the the curtain back on the backstory just an inch at a time so we we do get our answers but we also get the questions that keep us watching the show um i'd like the way that they've done that i want to see them do that with that audrey relationship that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. i want to see that with uh everything having to do with wilford and the other train and i don't want them to be uh, particularly cagey about it. I want on that end. Snowpiercer, I'm okay with the with secrets coming back kind of a layer at a time, but I I'm, I would like, like you just said, for them to just lay out how this other train got going in one go. Just give it to us in a fire hose, whether it's a flashback, a whole episode, I don't care. But don't dwell on retelling that story because the future is all on Snowpiercer, I bet. And, uh, so yeah, that other train, uh, I just need to know some of those little, little bitty factoids. Sometimes I, I admit I can get a little too tied up in the minutia of that sort of thing and it can disrupt. The reason it does is that it disrupts my, uh, dis- suspension of disbelief, you know, yeah. and, and I don't, and I don't want that to happen unnecessarily. I mean, I already watch escapist TV shows that have things like arc trains and stuff like that. So I do have a pretty liberal sense of what I'm willing to, to, to uh, suspend, but I, I have, I have like a boundary, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I don't want this show to push beyond that just for the sake of showing me this really awesome train shot <laughs> of, of the second yeah. train appearing out of nowhere. Yeah, it needs to be explained a little. Um, like, I, I'll give it a little bit of um, suspension of disbelief. Like, if there's a, a few things that are like, oh, I don't know, but I, it's cool enough. But if they do, I, I do think, given that they're so engineer based, yeah, with the three of them, like Javi, Bennett, and um, Melanie, and then I'm, su- I, I think Wilfred also has to have some sort of like that background too, right? And I don't know if Melanie, because we're just believing Melanie's perspective on Wilfred. And, and we haven't seen the other side of it. So um, I, I, I would hope there is some sort of explanation and it's not just like hoo-ha and like, we just needed a second train to do a second season. Like, I don't know about that. Like, I, I definitely do need a little bit of an explanation that makes the total sense of like watching a TV show in the post-apocalyptic yeah. world, you know? Yeah. That, that phrase where she tells Ruth he wasn't who you th- thought he was, or I'm paraphrasing. I wonder, I mean, in other TV shows and in general life, that sort of comment comes after 
a person has had a, a very significant insight into a side of another person that they don't ever show. In TV, that usually results in an invitation to sleep together that was kind of um, n- not welcome or, or something like that. Uh, so I wonder if there's any salacious backstory between Melanie and Mr. Wilford that made her extra. I mean, just kind of the phil- the yeah. philosophical part of the thinking that he was going to drive the train into the ground. Maybe she could deal with that, but it was just this extra bit like, and you can sleep in my bunk or, you know, that sort of thing. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, we haven't mentioned anything like there hasn't been any mention of a father, right? What if he's the father? Oh, my God. I just thought about that when you mentioned the like the the relationship, like we don't. Yeah, we haven't like the photos have been just of her in the flashback that she had in the memory with Audrey or whatever it was. There was no guy. Um, and that would make more sense of like why she has these strong feelings instead of more of like a this is a crazy leader and I'm taking over you know like I think I think you nailed it. it yeah I think you nailed it <laughs> that's the what is it Liana and uh, Rhaegar t- <laughs> yeah yeah theory for 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 Snowpiercer I think nice and that just makes it so good like now I even want to see it even more like even after this episode. <laughs> Nice. Well, boy, it's been a long season. Not that long, only 10 episodes. I I really hope that all things considered, if if second season is in the can, I don't see why they wait a year to put it out, especially the way things are. Yeah. You know, please put it out like in the fall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because this went from kind of ordinary futuristic procedural TV to something that now is very compelling. And I, I got a lot of questions and I need to know more. And, you know, I've seen the slate of TV that's coming up just generally. And a lot of it sucks because they can't make anything, you know? So, so they're starting to air things that, that probably they'd never intended on airing, you know, there's just like, well, uh, we got this and on the shelf and there's nothing new coming. So we might as well just show it. And I would, I would hope that maybe, maybe TNT takes a, takes a risk and just, just, just pumps this guy out without waiting till next year. The fact that they knew they had two seasons. Um, I want to hope that they filmed a good, like they filmed both of them at the same time or like right after each other, unless they just were going to wait to see how it went and then do it. But I don't know. It was kind of a weird, like this never happens where like IMDb has two seasons because usually they have to wait for the one. And then especially nowadays where they're very kind of, um, they don't give the green light as much as they used to for TV. So a lot of shows get canceled after one season based on the the ratings. And so this one had two seasons off the gate, like out of the gate, which is very interesting. So I feel like TNT kind of knew that it was going to be like, maybe they read like the finale and the way it was going to go in season two. And um, I don't know. I hope they did. They have it. Well, what filmed, I, which I'm sure we can Google. What yeah. I do know is that when I look up the press pictures for the podcast posts, they're all dated 2018. <laughs> so okay so yeah. hopefully that was two seasons yeah they um, had the time yeah i think also it's just gonna be so much fun i think um uh i think having a sean bean character or having him attached to a season two 
just makes you feel like uh, it's really hard sometimes with shows to have that that much of excitement for season two even if it ends on a cliffhanger or whatever like it, it, it i don't know like you know what i mean I like, sometimes it's just like it's just kind of like oh, okay cool i'm excited whatever but like you know there's going to be a lot of the same right and then like as you know like there's going to be people that come up and it might be surprising whatever but like to go in knowing like he's going to come out and it has to be like he's slated probably for the 10 you know 10 episodes like that is so exciting and like i'm probably even more excited than i was to watch the first season you gotta you gotta and raise the stakes of, you gotta raise the expectations like it's, think of the second season of lost you had michelle rodriguez yeah. from one season um you had the introduction of ben linus you had um the introduction of desmond who turned out to be mm-hmm. a oh. huge character very popular guy also um so they and if you think about the the characters they introduced in season two, they really flushed most of them <laughs> right away. <laughs> but, yeah. but still, um, Sean Rodriguez was was an interesting ad, you know, uh, a, a star in her own right, not Sean Bean level, but still very big for TV. Especially for TV at the time. And like that feels like um, I'm not sure like what his um, I, I primarily have only seen him like I guess the Game of Thrones was like the one the the tv one and i can't really think of any other tv stuff of sean being primarily yeah. so i don't know i think it's gonna be cool right like a he's kind of headlining this and I, the combo of him and jennifer Connolly and then david diggs like that's just like a crazy three like very unique leads in tv that is like you said there's so many tv shows now and like this is just like a rare combo that is like, even if you don't, you're not necessarily interested, like you just have to see it. I think to see like what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. All very talented, all with varying lengths in their careers. But I don't think David is going anywhere soon in terms of like retirement no. or obscurity <laughs> or anything like that. Mm-mm. So yeah, these are top notch level people that they snagged for this this weird show <laughs> you know this is yeah, a, I don't know, yeah. weird channel and, and then they're making it into something really good so uh, i guess in the spirit of looking forward to season two this has been paul with pod clubhouse and this is cat with shuffle online i i think we'll be back next season do you want to you want to do this next season yes i'm excited i'll be back all right terrific then you'll have both of us back for the second season of snowpiercer hopefully sooner than later thanks a lot Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.